It takes energy to actually prove a person wrong that actually don't even care if you make it. So I decided to take my energy and prove the people right who believe in me and take less energy into proving the people wrong that don't believe in me. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with a young man who goes by billionaire PA. Listen in to why he says your mind must be wealthy first. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Wealth. I am still on a high from last week's episode. I'm not going to lie. Be Their Walking Contradiction has been such a hit with so many of you. So thank you so much for the love. Thank you for allowing me to share my heart and for sharing your heart with me. If you are new here to Redefining Wealth, then a big welcome to you. What you need to know about us is this is not just about money and material possessions. Here we believe that wealth is about well-being. And it's based on six pillars. So go back and check out our back catalog of episodes, but in particular, those first several episodes where we break it down pillar by pillar, because that's going to help you set the foundation so that you can really receive all of these amazing interviews and solo episodes that we have here. But welcome to you. So glad that you found us. And to my OG listeners, thank you as always. Don't forget, I made an announcement last week that we are coming up on our one-year anniversary. I'm so excited, and so I want your voices to be a part of that episode. So make sure you go to free call with Patrice and leave me a 90-second memo. Tell me your name, what city and state or country you're from. And give me about 86 seconds of what has made an impact on you from redefining wealth. If there's any pillar in particular you have really been tackling, or if it's a financial thing where this non-conventional route that I take has really helped you change your money mindset, then I welcome you sharing. And speaking of mindset, super excited about the young man who I'm interviewing today for you, met him some years ago, and I've just watched him via social media, but we also continue to run into each other all over Los Angeles. And so, you know, I'm really big on mindset. The first pillar here at Redefining Wealth is fit, and it's more than physical fitness. It also includes mental fitness. And so I love just his take on your mind being wealthy, like your mind is the first stop. So I really want to jump into this episode because it's full of goodies, but I'll be back at the end with some more notes for you about different things that are coming up in the future. All right. Make sure you subscribe because this is going to be good and get ready to take some notes. Billionaire PA is the CEO and founder of Wealthy Minds, a company created through the challenges of billionaires' personal circumstances, which include him being homeless for 36 months, as well as spending 63 days living in his car. Yeah, you heard that correctly. His mission today is to inspire a billion people to speak their dreams into existence. He's the author of My Mind is Wealthy, as well as Seven Steps to Developing a Wealthy Mindset. 
I love that he says, instead of following him in social media, he wants you to lead with him at Billionaire PA. He's been sponsored by such companies as Procter & Gamble, as well as Home Depot. And get ready, ladies and gentlemen, you're in for a treat. Without further ado, here's Billionaire PA. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Billionaire. Thank you for having me. I definitely appreciate being on the show. This has been a long time in the making. <laughs> oh, we spoke it. We spoke it into existence, though. Now we're able to go from speaking to the day we executing and living that actual dream. And that's exactly what you teach people to do, and I love it. I, um, I'm not sure if I met... I think you met my husband first a long time ago at the Steve Harvey Mentoring Weekend back in the day. It's been some years now. Um, and I know you have Wealthy Minds, your clothing line. And I remember him giving me your shirt. I don't even know if you remember that I had this shirt, but it's, I loved it. I wore it all the time. Uh, I don't look for jobs. I create them. Oh, yeah. You, you had that shirt? <laughs> Still have that shirt? Yeah, that's one of my favorite quotes right there. I don't look for jobs. I create them. You know why I connected with that shirt so much? When I was graduating from college, I did not look for a job and I didn't apply to grad school. I was determined that I was going to make my own. And that's what I did. I started a business senior year in college. And people would be like, why aren't you applying? You need to have some backup plans and all this. And I'm like, "There, my backup plan is to focus on my first plan. I don't look for jobs. And that has been my life, my whole adult life, is that I wouldn't look for jobs. I create them. So I loved that shirt. I think I had the shirt before I even met you. But one of the things that blew me away about that is when I finally had an opportunity to watch your TED talk, your TEDx talk, which was absolutely phenomenal, 400,000 plus views on YouTube and counting. You talked about the fact that you actually couldn't get a job because of what? I got two felonies on my record. Been in jail over 15 times before I was 21 years old. But it was uh, the main reason why I couldn't get no job is because, you know, growing, growing up in Alabama, my mother taught me the only thing that she knew was to go out and find a job. She taught me to rely on other people for a living. I didn't even have it built in my head. I didn't even have the type of mentality to think that I could actually create my own job. So I got turned down by 150, over 150 companies because they kept running my background and uh, I had these felonies on my record, so I couldn't get a job. So I was actually forced into entrepreneurship. I'm glad it happened, though. (laughs) Right. It didn't happen to you. It happened for you. Because it forced you to tap into what was already on the inside, right? Yeah. And so it's amazing. And that's how I wrote that quote. That was the actual inspiration behind that quote. There's a lot of types of people in the world. But in this aspect, you got your followers and you got your leaders. If you see my new billboard that's put up on Slauson and LaBrelle, it says, don't follow me, lead with me. And what I'm doing is encouraging everyone who was created for the purpose of being a follower, by all means, be a follower. But you got some people who are leaders who are working on people's jobs who, should, who shouldn't be there. They should be out creating their own thing, creating their own dreams to help inspire other people to speak their dreams into existence. Just imagine if Martin Luther King or Malcolm X would have said, you know what, I'm going to go work for somebody. I'm not going to do my mm-hmm. purpose. Man, that's real. I identify with that so much too. I remember when my husband and I lost everything in the recession and we ended up sleeping on my brother's couch in Atlanta. And I was volunteering at all these nonprofits around financial education. And one of them offered me a job. Man, (laughs) as grateful as I was for the job billionaire, I realized that I am not employee material. 
I didn't try to be challenging to people, but like I could not understand the point in all the meetings and all these different things. I'm like, what y'all meeting about? Don't you want to just go out and do the work? Like, why do I need to come in here to do my work? Can I just go to the people and do the work? Like my husband was like, look, you are not a great employee. You're a phenomenal entrepreneur, but you're not a great employee and you need to accept that. So I had to accept it and get back out there and do my own thing. And I'm glad I did too. Like I, I wasn't built for it at all. Oh, but okay. I'm glad to see it too. <laughs> I am. I'm I'm really glad I, I did. So one of the places or the place where you talk about writing all these quotes, is it true that you have over like four thousand quotes that you wrote? Yeah, technically I wrote ten thousand quotes. Just, what? Yeah, I was in my truck. I just all I do is I write. It's um it's it's hard for most people to believe because when I was in my truck, I wrote two books. I wrote a negative book. Before I was positive, I was a very negative person. I wrote negative things into existence and I just saw the power that negativity had. So some people are negative and they don't even know they're negative. People who are broke, they manifest that to them. They spoke that into their life, you know, so I don't use them words no more. So when I was in my car, I was writing all of the negative stuff. And then I just decided, you know what? I'm going to transform every one of these negative quotes that I wrote. And then I'm going to write 5,000 positive, inspirational affirmations that I'm going to live by. I didn't even write the quotes for other people. I wrote them for myself. Like when I wrote the quote, never spend your present time with a person that you don't have a future with. Mm -hmm. I wrote that quote because I was hanging around people that I know I didn't have no future with. Now, some people, they hit me up and they's like, you know, that quote isn't for me. It's like any other quote. Every quote isn't for you. That quote right. is for me. And if it happens to inspire other people, by all means, I understand. It means if I cannot see myself with you tomorrow, don't call me today. I only want to hang out with people that I have a potential future with. <laughs> oh, that was good. Wait, you got to say that again. Say it one more time. I only want to hang out with people that I feel that I have a potential future with. Because, you know, you as a female, y'all have intuition and y'all have wisdom. You know who got good energy and who got bad energy. You know your intuition. You know your type your type of thinking of what person you can say from the jump. I knew we would be great together. And not all the time you would be on point. But with me, I'm always right about the energy that I that come into my space. Because it's not, it's not even about me making a million or two million dollars with you. It's more so... Uh, about if I actually, I have to actually like you to do work with you. Mm -hmm. I have to actually get along with you, believe in you. You know, I don't want to just be doing this stuff no more. Like when I was selling drugs and I had got caught up in Texas and stuff, none of the people that went to jail with me came and got me out of jail. None of them, but we be so into, like when I was in jail, my mother, she drove 14 hours, got off her job and everything. In fact, almost lost her job coming to get me because I had caught this drug charge coming to get me out of jail. And then as soon as she got me, I was, first thing I said was, I cannot wait to get back to the street so I could prove all these haters wrong. That was a immature mindset back then. You know, everybody want to prove their haters wrong. But what I realized is it takes energy to actually prove a person wrong that actually don't even care if you make it. So I decided to take my energy and prove the people right who believe in me and take less energy into proving the people wrong that don't believe in me. Mm, that's good. That's you know, good. So now I spend my time proving my mother right, turning my business into a billion dollar business, proving my family right. You know, I don't have time to put energy into like proving nobody wrong. I don't have time to attempt to impress anyone with what I do. I have a very positive message. I got two dreams, which is to be a billionaire and to inspire billions of people. And they're going to manifest. I'm not just talking about it. It's something that I, I have spoken and I'm working towards that every single day to execute that. 
How did you become so passionate, though, about speaking dreams and really calling other people to speak their dreams? Because one of the things that I loved from your TED Talk is you tell people to stand up for their dreams, right? And one of the things you said, I'm trying to really remember, you said something like you want to see who gets tired and sits down. Like you, you're looking at them like it, you see that as a metaphor for how they go after their own dreams. See, I went to a TED Talk. I told everybody to stand up. Two minutes into standing up, it was some people's like, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Why would I want to go in business with you? You cannot even stand on your own two feet. Ooh. You know what it takes to build a business. This stuff isn't easy. You know how many... I sell a book for $900. $963. Oh, you you getting ahead because you know I was, I was getting there. <laughs> you know, you know I was coming for that. I was blown away by that. You had a book for like $99 and then $163. And then you said, let me go all out. I'm going to $963. Like how you have to be a big dreamer to even believe that's possible when it's people out here trying to do 99 cent book specials so that they can become an Amazon bestseller. And you're selling books for $99 up to $963. Who told you that you could do that? That's what I'm sure people want to know. Who told you you could do that? Well, you know, you asked that. That's a very deep question right there. When you talk about people who I have nothing against, like Amazon, I salute them and everything that they're doing, because a lot of people's dreams do come true on them on that particular website. Mm -hmm. I have always been uh, against putting my book on a third party website because I don't want them making money off of me when they're actually not promoting me. I promote the traffic that actually goes to it. A third party website to get people to actually purchase the book. Now, if they promote me, that's all good. But I think that's they giving people take they taking like 20 to 30 percent. And I just felt like if you're not going to take 20 or 30 percent of my struggles, why should I give you 20 percent or 30 percent of my success? No, if y'all support me, take your butt to my website and you buy it on my website. So if I put it up on that site, if you do see it up on that site, I'm not pushing people to that website. It's just up there just for people who may randomly go on there. On it. Yeah. yeah, but I'm not <laughs> pushing you to go down. Like you got people who promote somebody else's dream before they'll promote their own. Instead of being a, a number one Amazon seller, how about you be a number one seller for yourself? I'm a number one seller. I put that book out and it was actually the first book that I put out. My first book came out the gate. It was $963.36. It had nothing to do with the money. It was all marketing. It was all because I knew that if I put a book out for that price, everybody would say, what is in that book? Good publicity, mm-hmm. bad publicity, it's all good to me. And so when people's like, well, who sells a book for 900 Oprah don't even do that. What people don't realize is God created Oprah to be live her dream. And he created wow. me to live my dream. I'm not Oprah. And she not me. I'm not Patrice. So we all got to fulfill our purpose that we was created to actually live. She's doing her thing. You're doing your thing with your podcast and your business. Now, I got to come in and add value to what y'all doing, not compete and be like you. When I started watching people who was reading books and stuff, you got people who will come in, Patrice, and buy your book. And they'll say, oh, my God, I just wanted to support you. I actually look at it the opposite way. I think you wrote the book to support their dreams. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I never thought about it that way, but that's good. So they come to me like, oh, I'll support you. I'm like, no, I don't want your support. I wrote the book for, to su- support your dream. You need to know how to run a business. You need to know how to do your finances. You need to know how to get your stuff in order. This isn't like, and then if your book is $20, it's like people value it 
based on what they actually spend, if it's valuable to them. When you walk in the Gucci store, the Louis Vuitton store, them people will drop a thousand dollars for some shoes. And you know they'll take care of them. They'll keep them clean. So I said, hey, if I put a book out for $963, I guarantee you whoever buys it will read it. Yeah. But whoever buy a $10 book, they don't read them. They just buy them to support. You check back in with them six months later, a thousand people bought a book. You may get a hundred people. You may get a hundred people. Under a hundred people only read that book. Guarantee you. Mm-hmm. Top to, from front to back. So how did you come up with that number though? $963.36. That's very specific. Oh, I slept in my truck for 63 days and I was homeless 36 months. Wow. That's the royalty edition is 96336. But you have to see the book to believe it. The book is half the size of a human's body. The book is personalized. So when you get the book, like if you bought it, it, it come with your family's dream in there. You submit your pictures to us. Uh, it got your, your, your family pictures. Uh, it got your dream in the book throughout the whole book. It's personalized with your name. Uh, it's in all gold paper. It's a project. It takes me like 30 days. To, if you bought the book today, I'll have it to you in 30 days. So it's, uh, it's And it's numbered. So you would be like one out of 63, two out of 63. It's only 63 of them made. Wow. Just the thought process behind that. That is incredible. It's incredible. And I want to go back to this because you jumped into sleeping in the car and stuff. And when I was watching a video that I guess Procter & Gamble highlighted you and produced about you. It opens with you brushing your teeth, rinsing your mouth out, putting deodorant on. I'm literally thinking that you're in your bathroom and then it pans out and you pop out the back of this truck. Oh yeah, I don't even understand. You're saying that you were homeless 36 months and slept in your truck for 63 days yeah, so 63 straight days, what that means is my first 63 days, I was in my truck. On the 62nd day, I had met this lady named Myra Scott. She came and got me on the 63rd day. And uh, I met her on 62 days. And on on the 63rd day, she said, hey, you could just, you know, I'll let you stay in my crib for like a day out of a week. And I stayed there like a day or two out of the week. And then I'll go back to the car for like three days. And Or with meeting her, I would meet other people that would allow me. So I would just go from house to house. How did you get there, though? How did that happen? So you were raised in Alabama. You ended up catching a case out of Texas. How did you get to California sleeping in your car? My whole process was like this right here. I'll tell you in in 63 seconds. (laughs) I had a a felony charge in Anahuac, Texas for drugs. I got five years. I was sentenced five years for that. One week after I got out of jail there, I went back to Alexander City, Alabama. I caught a three-year conspiracy charge. I ended up getting three years for that. I ended up doing, uh, serving the probation and stuff like that. And so in the day I got off probation, after my five years was up, because they ran the two charges in congruently together, if that makes sense. So the three mm-hmm. years ran congruently with the five or parallel, however you see it. Right after I got off of the probation and you know serving the little time that I had did, I ended up moving from, I told my mother, due to the environment that I'm in, I've been to jail a lot here. I don't even think it's beneficial for me to stay here. She Mm -hmm. wasn't really for me moving. So I ended up not even telling nobody in my family, went to a little little gas station and I asked the dude, I was in Birmingham, Alabama. I said, look, what street can you get on and just drive straight? Now, a lot of people 
you know, this ain't your, this ain't your life. This is my life. So I was going through a lot. I was just willing to do anything to get out of my situation because I got tired of feeling like I was a failure. All I ever knew was selling dope. All I ever knew was hustling. I didn't know anything else. I didn't know that I wanted, I don't want to work for nobody. That just, I don't like nobody telling me to show up on their job at eight. And there's nothing wrong with me not liking that. So um, I ended up going to the gas station, asked the dude, hey, what street can I get on? And I could just drive straight. And he said, why would you want to do that? I said, my life has been so terrible. I don't even want to think about turning left or right. And the man said, you can get on the 10 and you can go east to west, east to take you to New York, west to take you to California. I said, I don't want to take the 10. Is it another route? He said, why you don't want to take the 10? I said, I don't want to take the 10 because I got arrested in Texas on the 10 freeway. That's where I caught the, the drug charge at. So he was like, you can take the 40. It's going to be, you're going to be in the desert. But you can go uh, east or west. And so I said, which one take longer? He said, if you go to California, you driving by yourself, it's going to take you about three days. So I drove to California. When I got like to Arkansas, I called the guy that I was doing not so good things with business wise, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. in uh, California. And I was just like, hey, man, I'm on my way out there. Set me up. And he sold me a dream. Sold me a good dream. Told me he owned the house and everything. When I got out here, he didn't own anything. Mm. When I'm out here, you know, my little money, the little money that I had, I ain't going to lie to you, it went quick. California is expensive. It takes a special person to actually live out here in California and actually financially make it. And most of the people in, in this state do not. They just financially in debt, struggling, working for people to pay their bills. And that is not why God put us here. God ain't put me here to make no money, to pay nobody, to do and live a better life than me. Mm. So I ended up going to my truck. I wasn't even mad about it. It was a better situation. I didn't know nobody who sold drugs. I didn't know no thugs. I didn't know no, no, no you know, just nobody yeah. that was around in the South. And nothing bad against anybody that still lived that lifestyle. It's just I wanted to change my life. And so I came out here, slept in my truck, day one, opened the Bible, read the book of Genesis. Had never read a Bible in my life. In fact, I was atheist for 22 years. I did not believe in no God or anything just because of my upbringing. I had a mother who got hit by a drunk driver, told she was never walk again. That's why in one of my quotes, I say my mother had screws in her leg like Superman had in his head. Doctor said she'll never walk again. I told the woman, close your eyes, use your mind. I told my mama how to glide. That's a quote to people. That's my mama's real life. Mm. I actually had to experience my mother being told, watch her do everything she can to walk. So when a person talks to me about manifesting a dream into existence, I came from seeing a woman told she'll never walk again. Who are you to tell me I cannot make a billion dollars? That's easy. Oh, That's easy. Who are you to tell me I cannot sell a book for 900? I came from seeing my grandmama have a sawed off shotgun to her head with my own granddaddy standing right there saying, B-I-T-C-H, I'll kill you. Mm. you know what I'm saying? So if I can overcome that, who are you to t- selling a book for a hundred dollars? That's easy stuff to me. Going to jail and being sentenced five years, I got off that. It's easy to sell a book for $199. With some people, they just don't have the confidence. And that's why I be asking people, stand up, man. Speak your dreams into existence because you got to believe in that. And a lot of times people will push their beliefs on you. Mm-hmm. And what that means is they'll be like, why you sell a book for 900 You know what they're really telling you? I could never see myself doing that. Right. I was watching... And it escapes me right now. I'm going to try to remember who it was. But they had this video and they were talking about when people grow up with extreme trauma and different circumstances, they're usually more apt to run after their dreams to what they want. And then you have people who may be born into wealthy families where they've had the examples all along. So it's nothing to them to think that achieving something in particular is possible. But he said who he felt sorry for were the people in the middle because 
when you're in the middle, when it wasn't like quite that bad of a life, but you didn't really have too many connections or exposure, you get so complacent and there's nothing like in your story, you're like, if I've already been through this, then this is nothing. But what do you say to to the majority of people who may be in the middle where I didn't have such a traumatic upbringing? So I don't really feel like I have anything to run towards or run away from. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's all, you know, this stuff is all mindset. Yeah. Anything, you know, anything that you want, Patricia, you can manifest that. And you know the power of manifestation. Mm-hmm. If, for you, if, you, if, I wanted, if a person told me they wanted to be an author, well, what do you have to do? Okay, go find you some author friends to hang out with. What do you think they're going to teach you? So what I say to anybody, it's like, look, have you ever seen a police officer riding in the fire truck with a fireman? No. No. You've never seen, that. You've never seen a fireman riding in a police car with a police officer. You know why? Because police officers hang with police officers. Firemen hang with firemen. Rich people hang with rich people. Wealthy people hang with wealthy people. And the broke hang with the broke. This is how it goes. So if I don't want to be broke no more, then I go put myself, I go eat at Mastro's and I hang out with those caliber of people. Or I go to high-end restaurants and I spend my time around people that think like me, people that want to have dreams like me. And that's what I had to do, you know? That's the things that I recommend for anybody, whether you have been through trauma or not. But when you talk about someone, you can tell someone who went through the same amount of trauma as me. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that both people are going to come out positive. It's all about how that person mindset views that. You see, I don't believe in negativity. I take everything as a lesson learned. I don't believe that negative people exist because I don't even give them the attention. Yes, I know the people out there. I just don't give you the attention to even think you exist in my world. Mm, that's good. But even you said, right, you said you never spend your present time with a person you don't have a future with. So... I can hear somebody saying, well, if that's the case, if I'm broke and I want to be around wealthier people, are they going to give me the time? How do I break into those conversations? Like we can say go there, but what is the practical, like, or how do you pump yourself up to understand that no matter what, you still have to put yourself in the space? Well, that's what a lot of people, a lot of people will talk themselves right out of what they dream of. I don't think about it. If I'm a people's person, you gonna give you walked into a, a restaurant, low end restaurant, food ten dollars. You gonna and you sit down to eat nine times out of ten. You're gonna probably talk to someone. Well, if you go to Beverly Hills and you get to mingling with people, your friendships are gonna change. Like, how did you get the friends that you got now? You had to open your mouth. <laughs> okay, well that can change. You, you get to choose who you open yeah, your mouth to. Yeah, yeah. That can change. You can change your zip code. You ain't got to stay there for all your life. So with me, I throw myself right out there in the middle, man. My dream is to be wealthy. So I'm hanging around wealthy minded people. I don't care what nobody say about me. It ain't cool to be broke. I got too many gifts and too many talents. And God, I don't know if he did, but God should have made it a sin for you to walk around here with a gift that God gave you and you broke. You did nothing with your life. Mm, I always say it's an insult. It's an insult to the creator who gave you the gift freely. Because I believe that we're each born with a gift, a talent, a skill, something that God gave us freely to produce wealth. And like you said, most people have it. And many of us know we have it, but we talk ourselves out of it. And then we want to pray about being broke or not being able to do the things that we say we want to do, but we also don't do anything differently. There's another thing you talk about. So for me, that's kind of the people pillar. We talk a lot about creating relationships that matter. 
And I always tell people that I know many of the opportunities that I've come that have come to me have not been because I was trying to force or manipulate anything. Like it's literally happened because I invested in building relationships with people, with some people I didn't know. And I'm not like a, I believe that you should respect everyone from the CEO to the janitor. So I don't have this like, oh, I got to know who you are and what your title is before I can speak to you type of thing. I believe that you value everyone, right? But it's even those people who you don't know what the titles are. You're not even quite clear who who they are, what they do. But many times they could be the gatekeepers to the people who could change your life. And so we talk about the people pillar a lot here. But another thing that we talk about is the space pillar. And that's about setting up your life to support you and how being more organized or efficient with your time actually leads to you being able to build wealth. And so there's another quote that you talk about, broke people show up late, wealthy people show up before time. I don't want to butcher your quotes because you have so many and I, you know, I got some of them down packed and then others, I think I'm butchering, but I got the gist. So what's the quote that you do about time and showing up and being on, on, on time? And why was that so important? You want the backstory to that quote? Yeah. It was on a Sunday afternoon, I had my mentor named Walter Hill. He owns a company called Icon Blue. He's like 74, 75 years old. Mm -hmm. He had invited me to his house in Beverly Hills to come to his house on Sunday to uh, watch a football game at 3.30 and to meet his wife. I think it was 3 o'clock. He wanted me to be there. I didn't get to the house until about 4.30, 5 o'clock. And I really felt like since it was just a relaxed day, it's like we not meeting. I just told you I'd be there at 3, but... You know what I'm saying? I'm just coming just to chill. I know I'm going to meet your wife. And you know what I'm saying? She's a very powerful lady by the name of Bunny Hill. So I go up there to his house. And uh, I came in like an hour and a half, two hours late. And then he was like, you know, I want you to uh, apologize to my wife. And I was just, I had, I didn't say it, but I just had the look on my face. Like, I'm not going to apologize, bro, for being late. You know, and at this time in my life, I had like, you know, I was mentoring over 500,000 kids. My little brand, my, I will say at the time, my little brand was, I thought was blowing up. I ain't had his type of money, though. But I felt <laughs> like I was doing good. You know how when you're young, you got fame, but you ain't got money. You know how people got 200,000 followers on Instagram, but they don't have no money in the bank. Right. <laughs> I thought I had it going on. And so he was like, no, nah, I need you to apologize because, you know, you got to be a man of your word. You got to stop being late to things. And then I was like, okay, okay. I went on and apologized. And when I apologized, you know, she came in and she said, hey, I looked at all your videos. It's very commendable at what you're actually out here doing for these young people, for these kids. She was like, who is helping you fund this company? I said, me. She was like, how many people work at your company? I was like, it's only three, four people right now. And she was like, you selling that much product? Because I looked at your video, you speaking everywhere. I was all over L.A. speaking with my shirts and everything just on the street selling my products. And that's how I was... uh, you know, uh, moving my stuff. So she was like, look, I think it's time for you to go corporate. I sit on the board for uh, Home Depot. So she was like, I'm going to call Home Depot and see if they'll have you speak. Man, I don't know. I, at the time, I didn't know who she was, but I could tell you this. She made a phone call to Home Depot. It was less than five minutes. They called me the next day and I was booked to go speak at Home Depot, my first corporate speech ever. Wow. So I tell you that story because about two weeks after I leave their house, Walter, but while I'm leaving, Walter is like, you know, I don't really even think he's took the time thing that serious. So he comes to my speech. I think I was speaking at a church out here. I'm, I, I might be wrong on the church, but I think it was Faithful Central. It was one church out mm-hmm. here in LA and okay. it was 3,500 kids. 
Mm-hmm. I go do the speech. And so my mentor, I see him walk in and I see Bunny came with him as well. My other mentor, they married couple. And then they brought their little granddaughter, Madison. And so I'm sitting there and I see them walk in and sit down. And then while I'm on the stage, I'm speaking. And in the middle of the stage, I go straight to this uh, story and I say, you know, I had this mentor that probably didn't think I really listened to him at this particular time in my life. And I wrote this quote that says, rich people show up on time, wealthy people show up before time and broke people always show up late, but they be the first ones to hold their hands out. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I said it, I saw him look at his wife and say he actually listened. But what I was doing was I was taking the lesson of what he taught me and I was transforming it in the form of a quote of how young people would appreciate it because we don't want to be talked at. We like, you know what I'm saying? We like stuff to be, uh, it's kind of like we'll listen to music as long as it's in a cadence. Like when I say it's okay if your pocket's broke, just make sure your mind makes sense. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it's in a cadence is it's easy for your daughter or your child to receive that because that's how we're used to receiving stuff through hip hop, through music, through dancing, through arts. And so that's what I wanted to do. And then the whole audience, they went crazy when I said that quote. And then like a week after that speech, right, Bunny went to pick up her daughter, her granddaughter. She's eight years old when she was sitting there at the speech. And I didn't really think the little eight year old was really paying attention. Her name, Madison. She said, I went to the school. I picked up uh, Madison. And Madison came out of the school running 100 miles an hour. Her little ponytail was just bump, bouncing, bouncing, book bag jumping. And she jumped in the back seat of the car. And I was like, baby, what's going on? Do I need to go into school and talk to anybody? And she was like, grandmama, you remember a week ago when we was at the speech and billionaire stood on stage? He said, broke people be late. So I don't want to be no broke person. So I got to be. Uh, <laughs> I love that. And I love that whole story illustrates something else that we say a lot here, which is there's always someone watching you who has the power to bless you. But who are they watching you be? Who are they watching you be? And it's so good that you got that lesson with someone who cared enough not to just like ask you to leave because that could have been the outcome. They could have been like, nope, we're good. Thanks. But you had someone who was already a mentor who cared enough to help illustrate that lesson for you. And so since that time, what are the things that you've implemented just to make sure that you are always not on time, but before time? Like, is that still something that you incorporate on a daily basis? Yeah, the main thing that, and you know, I still, I'm not a perfect individual, so I still do make mistakes because it's been some times where I've overbooked myself, but not very many times I'm actually behind schedule. But the thing that I implemented into my life is let's say like you booked me on a speech and you told me to be there at two. If you was dealing with my assistant, they don't even tell me the two o'clock time. They tell me one o'clock. If it's a meeting, so all speeches is set one hour before. So in my head, I think it's one. So if I get there at one thirty, I'm still before the time. And then let's say like if you wanted to meet and do a podcast, like my assistant, if the meeting was at one, she would have told me that I had to be there at 1230. She would have never even told me that you told her one. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I do the same thing. Like whatever the call time is, my time on my calendar is always an hour before. Always. Like one thing you're not going to do, especially if you've paid me to come somewhere, especially, or if I've just put my name on it and said that I was coming, what you're not going to do is look for me. Okay. So before I kind of get to the close, I know that you have a new book out, Seven Steps to Developing a Wealthy Mindset. Can you kind of give us one or two snippets of what those steps look like and just tell us about what the inspiration for the book was? 
Well, one of the first step is one of my favorite steps. It's called work to create a wealthy mindset. And I love this because you will notice that I will, I had to catch myself. I will not use the word T-R-Y. I will not use the word B-R-O-K-E unless I'm saying that in the form of my quote. I will not use the word C-A-N apostrophe T. If we use any negative words or even if we cuss, all the men get down and do 10 push-ups, and all the women do 10 squats because we believe that if you're going to have a broke mindset, you should at least have a healthy body. Mm. If you're going to have a broke mindset, you should at least have a healthy body. Come on. I'm not going to do both, though. I'm not going to have <laughs> a broke mindset and an unhealthy body. That's just one of the things that we implement. Anytime we, we it's kind of like some people may pinch themselves. No, I don't want to hurt myself. I want to get in shape. <laughs> I'm with you. We have a fit pillar here too. So I'm with you. So that's one of the steps. One of my most favorite one step is to log out of social media sites and log into your dreams. Mm. I'll give you this story right here. Right. I I took a lot of backlash because I started going on Instagram and telling people, you know, don't like my pictures. Don't come in on my videos and then just cash out me one dollar. We live in a society now that's more impressed with somebody liking a picture than the amount of money that you can make. But they'll look at me and tell me, you know, money ain't everything as if that like or that comment was more. (laughs) No, I know money ain't everything, but being broke ain't much either. So let's stop okaying it to be broke. It's not cool. No, if you on my Instagram and I found out a way to successfully monetize my stuff, if you support me, cash out me. Let's see how many people are really friends. And that's why when you, you said something earlier, I wanted to get back to it. Oh, you was talking about the job title and stuff like that. People get so caught up into this following, this following, and this following mm-hmm. that you psychologically start to follow people and be a follower instead of being a leader. That stuff is psychologically, mentally damaging to the mind to tell yourself, I follow this person. No, I don't follow Patrice. I lead with Patrice. Mm-hmm. I'm a leader. Mm-hmm. And that's why I wrote the quote, if you got less money in the bank than you have followers on Instagram, you need to get you a new group of friends. We have oh. to a point. Well, we learn how to use our resource. It's okay to be used. I don't mind if, if I have, a, if you feel, Patrice, you say, hey, Billion, I want to use you to help me to get to my dream. I don't feel bad by you using me. We supposed to be here to be used. My grandmother once told me that if you ain't being used no more, you are dead. Mm. We supposed, that's why we was put here to be used. And a lot of people don't, we'll call these people our friends. We call people our friends that we have never even met. And so that's why I wanted to say when you was talking earlier, I wanted to say, you know, we have to understand the difference between friends and associates because people, and I've been a victim of this, be setting themselves up for failure. You be calling people friends way too early. And so with, with me, there's expectations when you are a friend of mine. There's a high expectations because I don't just call anybody friends. So if you set yourself up for failure and you calling somebody friends and then they come in and they do something stupid or they do something that you consider stupid or something that's not within your standards of what you would think a friend would do. It ain't that they failed you. You failed yourself because you put them in that category. You should have left them in the associate category so they could do associate stuff. Come on, billionaire. So now if I call you a friend, I got your phone number. I know your mama phone number. I know people in your family. I might know your husband phone number or you because you was a friend to me. If I was out on the street and I went homeless right now, you should be able to pick up the phone and call your friend. 
and they will inconvenience themselves to make sure that their friend is not on the streets, is not out here struggling. No, we're not going to put you in the house the whole year, but you're not going to stay out there tonight. Right. Ooh, that was a lot. That was, that was a lot back to back to back. I feel like you just like want to <laughs> overnight. You gotta, especially- you gotta understand the difference of my mindset is, is, is at, at the point in my life right now, my mindset just on a, on a whole nother level of really identifying who I am as a person. Yeah. And I had to become my own friend. I had to be happy with what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? Because you know how it go, man. It's like the more fame you get, the more successful you become. Everybody got an opinion on how you should do your business, mm-hmm. how, what you should speak on and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I just want to stay true to my mission of inspiring a billion people. Mm-hmm. I never set out to do this just to be making money. I set out really to just inspire a billion people. The flesh part of me loves to make money. But that ain't got nothing to do with my spiritual dream of what God put me here to do. My purpose is actually to inspire a billion people to speak their dreams into existence. And I had to tell a person the other day, and whether people take offense to it or not, I say, look, man, I had somebody who called me and attempted to give me advice that I listen to every day talk about how much they hate their job. They hate their job. They're not living their purpose. They want to quit and stuff like that. They had the audacity to give me advice. And I said, look, I don't take advice from people who are not living in their purpose when I'm living in mine. That's right. It's hard for me to do that. You're not even living your own dream, but you want to give advice. It's like the broke. What I'm basically saying is broke people always want to tell you how you should get rich. Well, if you know, then you do it. Mm. <laughs> I don't need to talk. I just let you go. There's, <laughs> there's no point. No, You're I, dropping gems. I'm I, just trying to be quiet so I don't mess up your audio. So you asked me, you asked me what the steps were. So I was giving you some of the steps and everything. No. Got another step in here. <laughs> the other step that I'm focused on right now in my life, these are some of the things that you can get into your in your book. I mean, in this book, I talk about learning to give people their flowers when they're living and not when they're dead. Mm. Because we'll wait till someone dies to say we love them or to show our appreciation on Instagram, Facebook, RIP. So I told my mother the other day, when I die, don't come to my funeral and bring nothing. Just don't bring me no flowers. Don't bring me no roses. I'm not being dramatic. I'm not being funny. I, if, I want you to have an, enough love for me that you will have told me everything that you needed to tell me while I was living and not when I die. Oh, I agree with that wholeheartedly. <laughs> I don't want you to put nothing on my grave. I'm not going to benefit from that. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. Like, give me my funeral speech while I'm living and call it the speak dream speech. Don't give me, don't even got to stand it. When you stand up and they ask you to say, you politely say, my son asked that nobody say nothing at his speech because he wanted everybody to say everything while he was living. Learn to appreciate people's existence while they are living. Like when that rapper died, XXX Tentacion, when he died, mm-hmm. his music blew up. Blew up. Now he put, but my friends were called like, man, you listen to his music, you listen to his music, it's amazing. It's great. I felt like, why are y'all sharing the success with me? You should have been reaching out to him, telling him that he made that music. You should have been buying his stuff when he was living. It didn't just become amazing when he died. It was amazing when he was living. Wow. So now nah, I challenge people with anybody that hears this call right here. If you got somebody in your life and you're not on good terms with them, whatever the situation is. And I had to learn this. If a person does not have a malicious heart, meaning they had an intent to set out to make you feel bad because we all make mistakes. Pick up the phone, man. Let that small stuff go. 
call your mama, your brother, your sister. Let them people know you appreciate your existence, man, because everybody don't think like you. So everybody don't know what you like and what you don't like. Because sometimes we'll be holding on something inside, thinking that the person really intentionally attempted to hurt us. If you ain't told a person how to love you, don't expect them to love you like that. If you ain't told a person what that they supposed to be on time, you know what I'm saying? Don't expect them to show up on time. You got to let people know what's important to you. And so my communication skills with my friends, assistant, coworkers, it's on point. They have a clear understanding of who I am, how I want things done. And I, and I sit with them and have a clear understanding with them. So it ain't just one side. It's me shutting up sometimes and listening to them and getting an understanding of what they like, what they don't like and everything. This is good. Oh, my gosh. This book sounds phenomenal. <laughs> this sounds phenomenal. And I know that there's seven steps and it's full of wisdom. So we will definitely make sure we link to it and get people to your site. You're incredible. I mean, of course, I already knew that, which is why I wanted you to be on the show. But you were blowing my mind. I think this is definitely going to be one of those episodes people have to listen to over and over again, just so we can catch all the stuff that you were dropping, all the goodness you were dropping. Before I let you go, we do. (laughs) This right here, this is what I'm speaking to existence. This is going to be one of the, the, when I say biggest, this is going to be by far one of the most inspirational videos or podcast interviews that you have ever done, not knocking no interviews you've ever done. And the reason why I'm going to say it is because I want to show people the power of manifestation. You will be able to say that I told you this on 810, 1.51 p.m. This podcast will inspire one day billions of people to speak their dreams into existence because it's not just about me or Patrice. The fact that I can manifest this into existence should give you the courage to go speak your own dream into existence and be very specific with what you're speaking and manifesting because those things do come to you. Amen. So I'm just going to put that out there in the universe and hopefully that will come true. I speak into existence that, you know, one of my dreams is that one day I just started sharing this story of why somebody walked up to me and they said, you know, in every one of your videos, why do you say send this video to Oprah? I say that in every video, mm-hmm. every single video, every podcast I do, I say send a video to Oprah. And I never really had the opportunity. I never took, I had the opportunity. I never actually took the time to actually tell people why I was actually saying that. And it was one of them times, I think I was like 18, 19 years old. When I got out of jail in Texas, my grandmother, a very spiritual person, had asked me to come over to her house and talk to her because I was going to jail so much. And she was like, this is just getting out of hand every weekend. I'm like, dang, how can you go to jail every week? It's like you getting out of jail going to jail. And I was. I get out on Friday, go to another jail on Saturday. And so my mama had told me to go see my grandma. I said, mama, you know, I ain't really on that Christianity stuff. I'm not really with that God stuff. Grandmama pray every day and she live in a house with no lights. Mm. Grandmama pray every day. Why did granddad put a sawed off shotgun in her head? My grandmama prayed every day. Why did my little seven-year-old niece get killed by a drunk driver? Why did my uncle get shot? Like, why God killing children? I always had these questions. Why is Jesus Jewish, but we Christian? I need some answers. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I know the lights is off, but if I go take this $333 downtown and drop it, this going to cut the lights on. So I feel like you should pray to me. That was my mindset as a child. Mm-hmm. And so my grandmama said, you know, when I finally went over there, it took me about two weeks. I went over there and I saw her and she was like, you know, I'm not going to preach to you today. I just got one question in case I'll never get to see you. I want to know what dream you would live in case you go in case you get killed, because the way you're going, you ain't going to make it out here. So I, she said, the least I could do is know what your dream would have been if you would have did something positive. And so she said, if you had one dream, what would your dream be? And this was the creation that I didn't know at the time, which would birth 
I speak dreams into existence. And I said to my grandmom, come on, grandmom, look around us. The only place worth having a dream is in this house. Ain't no, where I go, I live in the streets. Ain't nobody got no dreams out here. We sell dope or we steal, and I'm not a thief. I'm never stealing nothing from nobody. And so she was like, no, 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 baby. Just tell me, if you had one dream, what, what would your dream be? And at the time, I told my grandma, I said, you know, just for time, I don't really want to stand right here. So if I just so I could just say something and I can go, I said, if I had a dream, my dream would to be like that little old black lady that you always watching on TV. Mm. And my grandmama started laughing and she said, baby, you talking about Oprah? You don't know who Oprah is? And I was like, nah, grandma, I never watched the show. That's your show. That's your dream. That's not my dream. I never seen the show. My grandma will always watch Oprah on TV. But I would come in and see her watching the same show every day, every day. And so she was like, out of all the people, why did you pick her? And I said, the only reason why I picked that lady is because that's the only woman that I ever seen on TV and her hands went behind her back that looked like this. That's the only reason why I said, oh, I never seen her go to jail. Everybody else you seen black that was on TV that I seen, I cannot speak for everybody else, but every black person I seen on TV, they was on the news going to jail. Oprah was the only person I ever seen. And so at that time, my grandmama said, you know what, baby, one day Oprah going to really call you. And my response was, yeah, grandma, for selling dope. Because I was being sarcastic because I never seen myself doing nothing positive. She was like, no, if you can move the stuff like you moving, if you can move an illegal dream like that, you cannot even share that with the world. And you successful at that. Imagine if you put your energy on something positive. Imagine if your mind went from broke to wealthy. My grandmama been speaking this to me. So everything now that I be speaking, like even in my quotes, most people can see, but not everyone has vision. My grandmama been telling me stuff like that. When I wrote the quote, tie yourself to greatness before failure chokes you, my grandmama been telling me this. It's just now I'm the one that's spitting it. I'm spinning it in the way of how young people want to hear it. I just tested positive with MTD, motivated transmitted disease. If you touch me, look at me, email me, or hate on me, I will infect you all with motivation. My grandma been telling me this stuff. And I just decided that when I got out here in California, I'm finna start putting, I'm finna start treating my brand like it's dope. And hopefully people understand that. I don't sell dope no more, but I got dope brands now. Mm. I still got the same mentality. I still push the books with the same mentality. Instead of selling you some, some ecstasy, we're going to overdose on motivation. We're going to overdose on getting wealthy. We're going to overdose on getting healthy. We're going to overdose on it being cool to be smart, cool to have a wealthy mindset. It's cool to keep your pants up and know how to be street and professional. That stuff cool. I ain't used to think it was, but it's very beneficial. And I, and I want to thank your husband, too, because he helped change my life. Really? Yeah, he helped change my life. You know, at the time he had gave me some game and really, you know, pulled me to the side, even at the Steve Harvey ranch and stuff and talked to me, helped me get an interview with Steve Harvey, talked to me on a personal level and stuff, really wanted to see me be successful. So, you know, to this day, I never forget the people who really pull you to the side and really talk to you because they really want to see you be successful. Hmm. You know, so I'm grateful for anybody. You know, sometimes you got people who give you constructive criticism just because they just want to talk to you. They just talking just to talk. They don't really care if you make it. He gave me some advice and I felt it from his spirit, from his heart. I knew he wanted, I knew he wanted me to be successful. It's not surprising him that now, you know what I'm saying, I'm continuing to grow. People know how you look at people and you yeah. know they make it. You ain't you know the ditties before they ditties. <laughs> yeah. You know the Oprah's before they Oprah's. This stuff isn't new to people. They know you know who got driving. They just need someone to say, hey man, you driving that car, boy, but you need to get some tires. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel the drive and the passion. We got to get some gas in this car. Right. Oh, man. 
Well, I speak with you that you will be having this conversation with Oprah. It's definitely coming. How can it not? I'm sure she's been tagged over and over and over again. Man, ever for, for Oprah has been getting tagged for 10 to 12 years. What? 10 to 12 years. I, I've never met her, but I sent her a book. I was sending her, like, I sent her merchandise to the office over in, uh, what is it, West Hollywood. I sent yeah. her merchandise. I've sent her books. You know, Devon Franklin, he wrote the foreword in one of my books, My Mind is Wealthy. So I'm grateful for him. He's been a great mentor for me as well. Ah, um, then I had one of my other friends. She was like, I had a couple of friends that's like, give me the book. We're going to get it to her. I don't know if they actually made it to her, but they said they was going to give it to her. But I'm pretty sure she knows who I am. Mm-hmm. There's no way. As much as I tag Super Soul Sunday, I'd probably tag them today. I'm going to tag them when I get off this interview. <laughs> but I wanted to do that because I wanted to imagine, Patrice, if everything that I spoke on your, on your show, mm-hmm. And I was very specific and I spoke this into existence. I'm going to meet Oprah. I'm going to be a billionaire by this date. Imagine how powerful this this interview becomes that everything that you speak comes true later. You know the power that this would give to this interview? You know Oprah is going to come to you and say, I need that video because it would be more powerful to show he spoke this. Yeah. So now you can see like when I sit in front of that audience and I tell them words have power. I'm not just telling you this. I can prove to you. I've spoken many dreams. I got 83 books. I recorded myself speaking all of these books into existence when they was dropping, when they was coming out. 83 books. I spoke this into existence. I knew nothing about being an author. I knew nothing about running a clothing line. I told you the date, like, I'm dropping a clothing line on this day. And people's like, you don't even know how to design. Oh, I'm dropping a music video on this day. You're not even a songwriter, man. I don't care. The fact that I don't <laughs> recorded myself saying that, I got to hold myself accountable. That's because right. If you just sit and tell yourself at home, it's, you're going to be, you're going to procrastinate and you're not going to do it. So I tell all my friends that say, oh, I'm going to write my book and put it out. I say, I dare you to record yourself and put it on Instagram. Right. That's what I do every time I'm working on a, a book. I put it out there because that held me accountable because you're not going to ask me how's it going and I got to stumble and stammer. <laughs> like, I'm, I put it out there. This is what I'm doing. Before I had cover art, before I had chapters done, before any of that, you put it out there. I didn't mean to go too deep on the uh, on your conversation. I hope this, I speak it to existence. That no, this, this, this is going to be phenomenal. Wow. And I know my audience and I knew who they were getting when I invited you. And I know exactly where I'm positioning this interview and, and it, it is perfect. So no apologies needed. This is going to be the number one downloaded podcast episode. And right now, the number one downloaded episode is Dr. Dennis Kimbrough. They loved him. It is the most played episode of the podcast. And yeah, I can definitely see this doing those numbers, if not better. So I got to ask you some questions before I I let you go. We call them redefining wealth, rapid wisdom questions. And so I'm going to ask you four quick things and you tell me the first thing that comes to mind, okay? How do you define success? I feel like before a person can define success, they they have to have an understanding of who they actually are as a person. So before I can identify what my dream is, I got to know what makes me happy so I can control that happiness or what makes me sad so I can control that. So when you say, how do you define success? I cannot even define success without defining myself first. I got to know who I am. I got to spend some time with me and get to know me. So then I can confidently sit here and say that 
what how I define success is inspiring one billion people to speak their dreams into existence. Now that's personally that success definition is directly correlated with who I am because that's what I like to do. And then from that, I turn that tangible, um, helping a billion people speak their dreams into existence. I turn that intangible into a tangible so that I can be successful selling books, selling music, doing speeches, if that makes sense. Hope I answered the question. Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. Okay. How do you define wealth in three words or less? We all wealthy. That's what wealthy spells. We all wealthy. Look at it. W-E, we A L all wealthy. We all wealthy. We are wealthy. Yeah, your greatest. The way I define wealth, though, your greatest wealth is your health. Understanding the value of relationships. Money does not make money. People Mm do. Mm -hmm. Put two five dollars on the floor. People say it all the time. Put two five dollars on the floor. How let me when it make another five? It ain't gonna go to work until somebody, to a human being, gets to work for that money. We got to put that money where it needs to be so it can make money. So I've honor relationships over money. Yes. Yes. All right. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? Seven Steps to Develop a Wealthy Mindset. My Mind is Wealthy and the Bible. I'm the only three books. Uh, well, I only read my books in the Bible. You only read your books in the Bible? Yep. Like I'll listen to somebody's audio book. Like I'll listen to your audio book. First off, if you read my books, they're all written from the perspective of a person that hates to read. I don't like reading. So I took that in consideration when writing my book because I wrote it in the perspective of a person that hates to read. So that's why they'll be, they'll, they will speak in the form of inspirational quotes. So I get you hooked on the quote and then I give you the inspiration behind the quote. Then I give you the plan of execution. So the book is actually broken down into three easy to read parts. And one of the reasons why I don't, if I'm in the process of writing a book, I won't read another person's book because I don't want your thoughts going into my head. Yeah. It, into writing my book. So you could say some phenomenal stuff. And I have been a victim of like listening to Lauren Hill, which is an amazing artist. And then you'll find yourself rewriting what she said, just saying it in a different way. So I was like, no, I don't want to do that because now I'm consuming her thoughts. I'm consuming her emotions from that, the energy that she put in there. I want to make sure that I'm 100% giving you the creation of who God created me to be. And I'm billionaire PA. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's good. You're the first person I've ever heard say that, and I love it. All right, fill in the blank. My name is, and for me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Billionaire PA, and the truth about wealth is, it's not okay to be broke. Speak your dreams into existence and get wealthy. That's it. That's it. Thank you so much. This has been incredible. And I know I started out by saying it was a long time in the making, but honestly, I, you know, I think everything happens in divine time. And I'm so glad that I have this platform where I get to share what I saw in you with so many people. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it'd be cool to be like, oh, let me just do a quick, you know, something for Instagram or something here. But I'm glad that I had an opportunity and we finally connected at a point where the podcast audience has been built to a point where obviously we're growing, but a point to where I know that the people who follow now will just eat up every word that you said. And you dropped major nuggets, major wisdom. And what I love about my audience is they're action takers. So you encourage people to reach out to folks where the relationship might be strained and nip things in the bud, you know, stop sweating small stuff and stuff. And I know that they're going to reach out to you and say, I did it because you said it. And oh, yeah. that's the that's one of your 
one of your steps. Give people their roses while they're here. Give me my flowers while I'm here. And so I really pray that the audience reaches out and lets you know how you've been an impact to them via this podcast because you were absolutely incredible. So I thank you so much, so sincerely. And I know this is one of them episodes I'm going to listen to over and over again myself because I also, I listen to my, <laughs> my podcast <laughs> over and over and over again because I'm continuously inspired by the guests, but even for some of my solo episodes, I listen to over and over again. So man, thank you so much for taking time out. I appreciate you so much. Oh, no problem. We got to get you a new shirt now. You know, I want to bless you with a new shirt. I'll probably get my, I'm going to get my assistant to send you one. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Didn't I tell you? Wasn't that a good one? Thank you so much, Billionaire PA. If you like what you heard, if you were inspired, if you were encouraged, please go leave this young man a message. You can find him on Instagram at Billionaire PA. Leave him a message. I know personally, when I hear stories like his in particular, and we all have a story, I've slept on my brother's couch, guys, but I've never slept in a car. I've never been, quote unquote, homeless. And so to see what he's doing now, to see his TEDx talk and how powerful he is and how many children he's been inspiring, especially all over the world, like, man, I am so just encouraged and inspired by someone who could take such circumstances and take a story like this and totally flip it on its head. And that's why I just love, as I've said in episodes past, I love a good plot twist. I love that he is being their walking contradiction. Yes, I'm going back to that. I'll probably be on that episode too for the rest of the year. I love that he is being the contradiction of what people thought he should be or could be or would be. And it's a blessing. So Billionaire PA, shout out to you and thank you for your example. Now I have been told that I do not tell you guys enough when I'm coming to your city. (laughs) So I want you to know that I am still on my tour with my friends at the Paul Mitchell schools. I'm still coming to schools all over the country. And if you or someone you know and love are in the following area, send them to my website so that they can get registration information and come see me live. I'm coming to Cleveland, Columbus, San Diego, Chicago, and Detroit. Yes, those are all the Paul Mitchell schools I will be at in the next several weeks. So again, Cleveland, Columbus, San Diego, Chicago, Detroit. If you know someone in those areas, if you're in those areas, come and see me live. It's really a good time. I promise you it is. It's going to be a great time. What I love about partnering with Paul Mitchell is that they allow me to open these sessions up to my audience as well. So you can come and see me for free. And I'll be in some other cities throughout the next several weeks. I'll be in Phoenix, Arizona and Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So go to the website, patricewashington.com backslash calendar, patricewashington.com backslash calendar and get more information. And again, make sure you go hit Billionaire PA up in social media. He's at Billionaire PA. Let him know what you learned, what your aha moments were, what your takeaways were, what you got out of listening to his interview. And until next time, I want you to, I want you to really do it. Not only speak your dreams into existence. Yes, 
I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.